Farm Food Facts, where every farmer, every acre, and every voice matter. Boy, do we have a special guest today. I first met this guy years ago, one of the smartest people in the food world, in the ag world. Dr. Rob Fraley is with us. He won the 2013 World Food Prize for Breakthrough Achievements in Founding, Developing, and Applying Modern Agriculture biotechnology, and he's, he's won just about every award that you can imagine. Um, Rob, thanks so much for joining us today on Farm Food Facts. Well, Phil, it's great to uh, connect again. Looking forward to our conversation. Me too. Um, and, and I have to start off asking uh, from a science standpoint, from one of the world leaders standpoint, how serious is COVID-19 as it relates to agriculture production? Well, I think it uh, it does two things. It, first of all, it tells us how important agriculture is, and it also points out some uh, some key challenges. You know, I think the the bright spot uh, is you know during this crisis uh, we've generally had uh, you know food in our grocery stores and availability, and uh, I think it really points out really clearly how important it is to have domestic production and. Uh, and a, a safe and adequate food supply. On the other hand, it, it's clearly pointing out some areas where we can make improvements and you know, where we're testing some of the vulnerabilities in the system. So talk to me about some of those vulnerabilities. And, you know, we keep on hearing, uh, for example, John Tyson's ad, you know, that, that the food system is breaking and so on. Is it, is it to that extreme? Should consumers, should farmers be nervous? I don't think so. Um, you know, my belief uh, is that, uh, and, and first of all, I'd like to just say uh, how much, you um, I appreciate and applaud, you know, the work of everybody, you know, not only in the healthcare, but but in the food chain. I mean, you know, everybody from uh, from the farmers to those involved in processing and transportation to the grocery stores and, and restaurants. I mean, it's been a uh, a heroic effort. You know, while we're talking here, our, our farmers are putting crops in the you know, in the ground and, uh, and foods being delivered, uh, you know, all across the country. And that's, uh, that is uh, so key. But when I think about, you know, some of the concerns that top of mind, uh, obviously, um, you know, labor on the farm is being challenged, labor and processing plants by, uh, by some of the, the COVID uh, implications. And that's, uh, that's the key. And, you know, one of the things that I think that's going to create is a, uh, is a much stronger focus on both, you know, farm automation and robotics as we um, as we go forward. I think it also, you know, is clear that you know folks involved in food production, you know, need all of the PPE and protective gear that's possible, and that's something I think you know everyone is uh, is aware of, and we'll see uh, you know dramatic improvements there. So, you know, I'm confident that the system will hold together. And a big part of that is really the, you know, heroic effort of everyone involved in the ag and food chain. So let's drill down to really down into DNA. What have we been able to learn about COVID-19 through DNA? And are there going to be any learnings to protect against it? Well, you know, I, I had a chance uh, a few weeks ago to write an article that I, you know, put on my uh, LinkedIn account at, at Rob Fraley, and uh, commented, and and I'm really in awe 
of the tremendous progress that, that scientists around the world have made to understanding COVID-19. You know, a couple of key points. You know, within a few weeks of the outbreak in China, you know, scientists had already sequenced the genome of the virus and made that information available. And that immediately allowed us to understand what some of the changes were that uh, that enabled the uh, the virus to spread so quickly. It gave us insights into the uh, into the capsid protein that that binds to the uh, human cell receptor, and that created a lot of information. I think that'll ultimately be valuable as we create both drug treatments and uh, and vaccines for the uh, future. Having that sequence information uh, gave us the ability to do rapid testing, you know, really uh, very sophisticated, uh, you know, nucleotide testing that gave us very accurate information. And ultimately, it's going to lead us the way to, uh, you know, creating, um, you know, vaccines and, and other, you know, treatments to, uh, to offset the, uh, the impact of this virus. So to that point, um, is injecting antibiotics bodies into people who have recovered from it, um, a way of, of finding out more about this and, and really keeping it under control? Yeah, using antibodies uh, has traditionally been an approach, uh, you know, that's been used for uh, Ebola and a number of other uh, viral diseases. Of course, it's predicated on the fact that and, and the hope that those antibodies, you know, are, are reactive and uh, and you know, uh, create uh, an immunity to the to that virus, uh, but also um, you know we have a number of uh, of biotech companies that are creating antibodies in the laboratory, literally you know using uh, you know the power of biotechnology and computer analysis to to create and scan and test literally thousands of, uh, of humanized antibodies, which would allow for large-scale production and injection of those antibodies uh, into people. So I, I think there will be a number of both uh, treatments uh, possible, you know, based on uh, antibody, based on the development and design of, uh, of new drugs. And, and ultimately, what everyone's hoping for is the, is the creation of, of vaccines. And there again, you know, we're seeing multiple approaches. Uh, the last time I, I looked, I think across the globe, there were over a hundred different vaccines in development using lots of new and sophisticated biotechnology methods to create um, vaccines that, you know, are reactive to only portions of the uh, of the virus and uh, and create the opportunity for uh, for many different approaches and that's going to be obviously so key to uh, to managing this pandemic for for the future. I also saw I believe it's at Oxford um, in the UK. There's um, a a scientist such as yourself who's working on it who's already injected I think he said over five thousand people um, with the anti body so that, you know, come early June, he's going to know whether or not that worked. Yeah, there's lots of uh, testing going on around the globe, and uh, and that's going to be key to find out exactly which antibodies have the capacity to neutralize the virus. One of the topics that I know is near and dear to your heart is gene editing. What role, if any, does gene editing have in controlling or eliminating this virus? 
Well, you know, gene editing is a pretty new technology, and a lot of people have probably heard or, or um, heard mentioned technologies like Talons or CRISPR. These are, uh, are advanced biotechnology tools that allow for very, very precise and specific changes in, in a gene. And they give us tools both to precisely change the virus to be able to understand, you know, the key components of the virus and its interaction with the human cells. And it also, in, in theory, gives us the potential to, to use gene editing to, uh, you know, create uh, immunity in, uh, in people. And, uh, you know, here's an area where, uh, particularly in animal health care, you know, gene editing has already been used in both chickens and pigs to alter the, the virus receptor interaction and create immunity. Now, obviously, that's, that's a long way off, but I think, you know, from the point of view of having new key research tools that give us incredible insights to dissect the biology and the interaction of the virus and its processing in cells, you know, these are going to be very powerful tools that are going to speed up the, uh, the, the response to, uh, to managing the, uh, the pandemic. So when we look at gene editing, basically, as I understand, and certainly I'm not a scientist, but basically it's going in um, to, to that DNA, um, whether it's a human being or to the virus, and turning certain elements off or on. Am I correct? Yeah, basically, uh, I think of it like a uh, like a an editor in one of your uh, your word your word processors, uh, where you can go in and literally change a uh, a letter or a vowel or a consonant. Here, you can change a specific nucleotide with these tools, and what you're doing is you're you're changing the the nucleotide in an existing uh, gene. And so in many ways, it's like a, a very targeted and very precise mutation. And uh, it works very efficiently, very effectively, and allows us to generate thousands of changes to really understand uh, you know, how the virus works, how it infects cells, and perhaps ultimately how we can mitigate those effects in people. So because of technology um, and and being in 2020 versus in 1950, it's possible that it's not a, the, the cure for it or immunity to it is not going to be um, an injection or a pill. It could actually be, you know, manipulating the genes in our body to, to fight these viruses. Well, like I said, that's a uh, that's long way off, but I think it's clear that gene editing is going to give us the uh, the tools and insights to make progress. And, you know, what I expect is we're going to see progress on all these fronts. We'll see treatments that are uh, that are effective. We're going to see uh, vaccines and we're going to learn a lot that will enable us to be better prepared, uh, you know, for the future. So is there any good news uh, coming out of COVID-19? Um, what, are, what are some positive changes that you see taking place as a result of this? Well, you know, a couple of things come to mind for me. So first of all, you know, despite all of the pressure we've seen in our healthcare system, you know, you know, all of those, you know, the doctors, the nurses, the first responders have really worked together and, you know, we've, we've netted together a nationwide approach and, you know, the public has responded and, you know, we've asked people to do social distancing and we've certainly been able to, uh, to flatten the, uh, the curve. You know, I've commented that I think it really points to the, uh, 
to the vital importance of, of agriculture and food production in this country. Uh, you know, we've had a healthcare crisis. We, we really haven't had a food security crisis and that, that's so important, I think. And, and I hope one of the things that comes out of this is that people see how the scientific community has come together across the board of topics that we just talked about, the, the detection technologies and the assays, the development of, uh, of treatments and cures uh, for the future. You know, for me, it's been a, a remarkable set of scientific advances that are underway. And it's one of the reasons I'm so confident that, uh, you know, we can address the, uh, the pandemic. I also think it really points long-term to the investment in public and private research because the tools that are being used have been, you know, developed in just the last few years and have multiple applications, not only across healthcare, but across agriculture. And many of these same tools that we've just talked about are being used to breed better crops, to create crops that are more resistant to insects and diseases, more resistant to drought and environmental challenges. And so I think it, it, it really helps us not only to ensure you know, an adequate and safe and nutritious food supply, but these new tools are letting us farm better, farm more efficiently, which is good for the environment, good for the planet. And so I, I hope that the, uh, the, the role that science plays, you know, it becomes, you know, better understood and the importance of these innovations, you know, to the broad public uh, is realized. So last question, what would you hope and what would you like to say to all the American farmers and ranchers that are, that are watching and, and listening to this? Well, first of all, I, I would say a big thank you. They've, uh, they've made uh, lots of sacrifices. They've uh, continued to ensure that we have a, a, a safe and adequate food supply, uh, despite a lot of, uh, of challenges. You know, these uh, are difficult times. You know, we're seeing changes in uh, commodity prices, in, uh, in fuel price that impacts uh, biofuels and, uh, and other important uh, elements of the, of, the, uh, of the farming system. You know, the challenges in, uh, in food and meat processing are, are really, you know, testing the system. Uh, you know, I know that, uh, that they'll do their job and, and we can count on them. I think, as I said earlier, we've uh, we've seen where some of the weaknesses are, and people will move very quickly to remedy that. And from a science perspective, you know, I see you know lots of innovations, both you know the advances in biology and biotechnology, but also the the digital tools that will allow us to monitor and uh, and create you know better on farm decisions for the uh, for the future so i'm i'm confident that uh, we have a, a bright future ahead as uh, as we see uh, you know these new tools reach uh, reach farmers you know both in this country and around the world dr rob fraley thank you again for joining us today on farm food facts feel good to connect and uh, and keep up the good work thank you thanks thanks for listening to today's podcast episode for more information on all things food and agriculture please visit us at usfarmersandranchers.org. Also, be sure to look for us on Facebook at U.S. Farmers and Ranchers or on Twitter at USFRA. Until next time.